This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. Joining me as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much. Also joining us this morning... Good friend of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, former Washington Capitol, Toronto Maple Leaf, uh, Lou Franceschetti. Lou, how are you this morning? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Uh, we're all doing great. Thanks for joining us, Lou. Uh, just to let our listeners know, we're going to be talking a little bit of hockey today. Uh, Stanley Cup Finals. The uh, middle of September, but we're in the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, Got to think about that one uh, a little bit, but uh, got Michael Trakos, national hockey writer, uh, Post Media Network's been on our show quite a few times. Uh, we're going to get his take on uh, the NHL playoffs so far and uh, his assessment of the uh, of the Stanley Cup Finals and what's going on in the hockey world. Uh, middle of the hour, uh, rejoining us, John Steinbretter. Uh, John usually jo- always joins us on a major championship Sunday in the world of golf. Uh, I don't think we've ever had a major championship in September before. The uh, U.S. Open uh, is uh, final round today at Wing at Wingfoot down in uh, the New York area, New York City. Uh, it's a, it's it's a diabolical course. John Spread, uh, John Steinbrenner, senior editor for Global Golf Post, and uh, also does some great work at Masters.com. Guys, we're going to be talking some hockey, talk some golf. Let's start off with a topic near and dear to all three of us, although from a different perspective. Let's talk. Let's chat some baseball because uh, you know the the sports world is 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 operating at a hundred and twenty five percent capacity these days, and uh, September is the run uh, run toward the uh, pennant, as they used to call it in the old days. Um, the Jays are in a playoff spot, but they Naz they have had a brutal week. Six losses in a row. They've gotten pummeled this week. Although the way the playoff format is set up, they are still as of today still in a playoff. <clears throat> what happened to the Jays this week, Naz? They're on a losing streak, six games in a row. They're not playing very well at all. But you know what? They won a lot of games to where they shouldn't have won earlier on in the year. And uh, it's going to be tough for them. They're going to have trouble hanging on. Uh, they they seem to be having a, a pretty good role. And then this week, they just got blasted. I mean, uh, can't say that I've watched too many of the games. I've got, uh, got so much going on in, in, in all kinds of different sports. But, I mean, I checked uh, I checked the... Uh, the, the the score updates all the time and I'm I, I saw double figures quite a few times against the Jays this week. What happened? What happened to their pitching? And then I'll turn it over to Lou. Naz, the pitching has gone south. Uh, the pitching was pretty good last night. The uh, you know he gave up two runs, but the starting pitching has been awful. And um, they're going to have a tough time. Well, they're going to have a real tough time making it. 
Uh, Lou, uh, let's let's bring you into the mix first of all. I uh, hope you're well and uh, uh, and everything's good. Uh, you're a big baseball fan, but you're not uh, you're not on our side of the ledger when it comes to baseball. You're not a Jays fan. You're a Yankee fan, uh, which I guess you probably got from the old days. Uh, Yankees, uh, as the Jays uh, went on. Um, bad run the Yankees seem to have gone on a good run I checked the check the standings this morning Yan- uh, Yankees are uh, 31 and 21 if I'm not mistaken Lou so they've had they've had a good week what's going on down in Yankee land well I think the last time we talked Matt kind of ribbed me about the Jays were doing really well and they just taken three or four from the Yankees uh, and then this kid out of uh, the minors just came out of the blue Debbie Garcia who really put it to the Jays in game three uh uh, of the series there in, in Buffalo, and all of a sudden now they found their bats. They played four solid games against Baltimore, where Baltimore had won the series uh, the week previous to that. Uh, and uh, like you said, or more or less what Naz said, the pitching has gone south. Uh, and what's really happened is that they've they've taxied the uh, the, the starters aren't giving them enough innings, and I think the, the relief pitching has been taxied because when you're only giving them three or four good innings, uh, that means you have to use the relief uh, the relief pitchers a lot more. And it's a complete opposite with the Yankees. The Yankees weren't getting any starting pitching earlier in the year or during their 5-16 and 16, uh, loss streak. Now they're getting six, seven, eight innings from even uh, half last night. So they've, they've turned the corner. I guess we have to thank uh, the kid there that more or less put a spark into their pitching staff and their, and their bats. Uh, really woke up. I, I was shocked myself the other night watching them uh, against the Jays, and I'm saying, okay, one home run, two home runs, and I'm yelling, okay, three, four, five home runs in an inning. I've never seen that before, even though it has been happening. Uh, not quite a lot, but it, it's just one of those things that uh, you know they're, they're meeting bat on ball, and they're, they're playing well, and they're getting solid pitching right now, and Britton and uh, Chapman and uh, Green and also, you know, they're not even pitching. They're only pitching an inning here and an inning there, which is going to be great down the road uh, because they're going to need it against teams like Oakland, Tampa, and Chicago right now, who it looks like uh, is probably the best team uh, in baseball. And as the, uh, the Jays had a good run, we all got excited. Uh, some of the young guys seem to have come into their own uh, all at the same time. They were playing exciting baseball. Bichette uh, was playing phenomenal. Unfortunately, he got hurt um, on a great run, and we've we've had a brutal week. Are they uh, Jays going to turn this around? The way the playoffs shape up, uh, you know, there there aren't that many games left. Um, the first two teams in the division make the playoffs and then the top two uh team i guess top two third place teams don't this have to be third place top the next two teams with the best records uh so there's gonna be an eight teams in each uh, in each league national league and american league that are going to make the playoffs that are going to make the playoffs um Jays are 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 in a in a spot right now. Um, they're going to turn it around now to check their schedule at all. Well, they need, like they need to, to the end. They need to win three more games, three or four more games in the rest of the year. I think they have eight left, so they need to go five hundred the rest of the way. They just yeah, make too many too many uh, base running errors and too many defensive errors. It's going to be a tough time for them. 
they're going to battle Seattle for the last spot. Seattle's only three out. Uh, Lou, uh, I know you're a Yankee fan, but uh, you do watch the Jays. Uh, your assessment overall of the Jays, and um, I, I think making the playoffs is certainly doable. Um, doesn't take uh, it, it, it's obviously in this restructured Major League Baseball season, it's it's easier to make the playoffs. Um, Jays make the playoffs. Do you see them possibly going on any kind of a run? Well, I, I, I more or less, it's. Uh, I think the Jays didn't think that they were going to be in this position at the start of the year. Uh, you know, they were a work in progress. They were going to probably live and die with their starting pitching. Uh, I know they've probably got three of the yet, uh, youngest, brightest stars in baseball right now. Uh, but if you don't get any pitching, like you don't get any goaltending, you're not going to go that far. Uh, they're going to be up against it this week. They've got uh, they got the Yankees for four in Buffalo. Uh, if they don't split that series and Seattle gets, you know, wins one or two down that stretch, it's going to be a battle for them. And I think it's going to be a very disappointing season to where they were uh, if they don't make that playoff. And then they might be a team that scares me. Uh, I, I don't know if I'd want to play them with, with the, uh, the offensive power they have. Uh, mind you, the pitching is out there, but you know, sometimes you can out slug uh, some teams. Well, doesn't happen that often. Uh, you you can out slug some teams one or two games, but at the end of the day, it's uh, usually the team with the uh, with the better pitching that goes far in the playoffs. So yeah, but well, what happens in the short series? Yeah, you know, the I, first, I don't disagree the first with you. series in, the best in, of three. Yeah, I mean, in a short series, uh, you know, if you get into a longer series, you can ride two arms. Uh, you get, you know, uh, that that that's been the, uh, um, you know, the 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 pathway to postseason success in, in Major League Baseball. But certainly, I don't disagree with you, Lou. In a short series, uh, you get some you get some bats corking out there, and uh, you got some lightning coming off the bat. Yeah, it, it, uh, you can certainly, uh, that is a pathway to victory. But in the grand scheme of things, you got to have arms. You got to, uh, as you say, pitching, goaltending, it's pretty difficult to win without either one. And talking about goaltending, that will get us to go to break. Uh, as uh, the Stanley Cup final started last night, the Dallas Stars uh, got off to a great start. Uh, 4-1 victory against uh, Tampa Lightning uh, right after the break. We'll be hooking up with Michael Trakos, senior uh, national hockey writer for Post Media Network, and we'll talk all the hockey with Michael. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced contact-free delivery. Order and prepay online and choose contact-free delivery. The driver will place your order on your doorstep in a nice, clear, protective bag. Then he'll politely stand back two metres and call the number on the receipt. Once you answer the door, he'll give you a little toodaloo and off he goes. Contact free delivery from pizzaville.ca or the Pizzaville app. Are you real ready? If you're a real estate agent, we can help you sell more homes. A business owner? We'll help show it off to the community at large. And if you're a homeowner, we'll supply accurate floor plans for every room in your home. Because selling property is all in the details. 
Real Tours Media, creators of 3D virtual tours, walkthrough video, HDR photography, logos and brands. Check out the one-stop shop for successful real estate agents. Realtoursmedia.ca There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and, Wall- Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live on the new AM740 in downtown Toronto. We broadcast on 96.7 FM and on the internet, uh, live streaming, www.zoomerradio.com. We've been trying to get a hold of Michael Trakos. Uh, no luck yet. These are the challenges sometimes of uh, live radio and certainly doing uh, doing stuff remotely also presents us challenges. We'll be keep trying to get a hold of Michael. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we have Lou Franceschetti with us this morning. Um, certainly, let's so let's talk some hockey, guys. <laughs> NHL playoffs. Dallas Stars four. Tampa Lightning won. Your observations from last night's first game of the Stanley Cup Finals, first Naz, and then Luke. Great goaltending and a tough team to play against, Dallas. Who would have ever thought Rick Bonus would be a coach in the Stanley Cup Final? What? Why would you be surprised that Rick Bonus would be a coach in the Stanley Cup Final, Naz? He hasn't coached since 2004 as a head coach. Well, I guess he, uh, he's clicking. Yeah, well, good observation. He, he got brought into a situation where the uh, Dallas, uh, pre- his, whose name escapes me at this point in time, uh, uh, was brought into a situation where uh, the previous Dallas coach was let go earlier on in Jim the Montgomery. season. Oh, sorry, Lou? Jim Montgomery. Jim Montgomery. And uh, certainly uh, Bonus has uh, done a pretty good job with this team. Got him to a one nothing lead in the Stanley Cup Finals. So uh, all the best, uh, all the best to him so far. He's uh, he's been doing a good job, and Dallas has looked good uh, throughout these playoffs. And as Nance says, uh, Dallas Stars still play a bit of a heavy game, um, and that uh, Tampa looked uh, Tampa looked a bit tired last night. Uh, Lou, your observations. What what were your thoughts? Uh, uh, First of all, your thoughts on the matchup overall, and uh, your thoughts on the game last night. Well, I, again, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to my comments that I made two weeks ago when when we suggested where we we talked about uh, Vegas and, and Dallas being a pretty good matchup, and I said that uh, that Dallas could be the worst matchup that Vegas could possibly get because they were as big and strong as they were, and, and they were as physical. 
and they had the big defense there uh, that uh, can't be bumped off the puck and obviously uh, Kubotin is standing on his head right now and it, it goes back to, to that statement that uh, that Dallas is a, is a bigger physical team and they, they played to the part last night um, they got great goaltending uh, when you get outshot 22 to two in the last period and, and come out with the uh, with a 4-1 win, it bodes well with uh, the, going in the series. And Rick Nackers is pulled, I mean, not Rick Nackers, but Rick Bonus is more or less, he's pulled all the right strings. Uh, you know, as you say, he's not a, a good coach. He's been a no, good no, coach I didn't say he wasn't for a good almost coach. 30 years. He's been a long time. Um, and, you know, I used to play against Rick. That's, and he's a very, very mild-mannered guy. He just lets the guys play, uh, play hockey. He, he doesn't scream at them. He doesn't yell at them. Um, and he knows which buttons to push on this team. And now they get this kid, uh, you know, Cogliano gets out with an injury, and they put this kid, Kivaranta, in. And he's got five goals in two series. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can see everything that he's doing is really well. It could be a bad matchup. They look tired, maybe uh, Tampa did. But at the end of the day, they, it was more or less Tampa caught the Islanders, too, when they were tired off, off two days. We'll see how they come back in game two. Uh, and see if uh, John Cooper makes any adjustments. And the, and the smaller guys really have to play well for Tampa to succeed. Because if they yeah, don't, don't do yeah, well. Yeah, Lou, I, I don't think Nas said uh, uh, was disparaging of Rick Bonus in terms of his, his capability of a, as a coach. I don't. I, I think Nas's point was is kind of surprising given that he's he's been out of coaching uh, for such a long time. Interesting part about it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but didn't uh, Rick Bonus spend five years as an assistant coach uh, behind John Cooper? Yes, yes, he did. And, and again, the assistant coach is a big part of it right there because he, he's been with Dallas for a while, and, and it's more or less he, he knows uh, he knows the players, he knows what makes them tick, and that's all you got to do. Being a, being a player, he just wants it to go out and play. And if, if, if you make a mistake, He'll talk to you about it, and you make the adjustments. If you make it two or three times, then he's going to sit you down. But he's got that demeanor where just play the game, guys. Go out and play hard and compete. Everything else will take care of itself. Uh, Naz, any surprises uh, from uh, you know from last night's game in terms of you know Tampa had a good third period. Became a good third period. They outshot Dallas, but you know Dallas was playing. Uh, Playing their shell by that point in time, but certainly in the first couple of periods, seemed like Tampa was almost outmanned. I mean, it just Dallas seems to be a bigger, stronger team. Tampa, maybe you know, they maybe they might be, uh, you know, skill level at the at the uh, at the top end. Um, you know, some 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 really skilled guys. Braden Point, we're not sure. Uh, uh, he got injured. Don't know if he's a hundred percent. Break down the series. Is this? Can we expect that this is the way the series is going to progress, or is Tampa Tampa going to fight back? The surprise to me was is Jamie Alexia. He's been great during the playoffs, and I didn't. I never expected that of him. He looks pretty good out there. And the defense, Dallas defense, is so big, hard to penetrate deep into the, into their end. Tampa Bay is going to have a tough time with them. Uh, Lou, uh, what can we expect the rest of this series? Is Tampa, you know, Tampa, this particular playoff run um, have shown more resiliency than, than they have in the past. Uh, they've, they've, they've come back after, you know, losses and, 
look like a better team. Um, you know, losing game one of a series of a Stanley Cup finals is not necessarily the end of the world. Uh, certainly with the third period Tampa had last night, they have uh, some cause um, to think that maybe in the next game, if they can keep that flow going, they, you know, they can turn the series around. They're missing Steve Stamkos. Uh, we don't know what his situation is. If, if Lou, if you've got any idea where, uh, <laughs> what's going on with Stamkos, um, game one, it's over with. Um, like I said, it's not the first time. Uh, 4-1, Stanley Cup final. I'll tell you, it reminds me, uh, there may be no historic parallel here, but game one of the 1979 Stanley Cup final. I'm sure you guys remember it. Uh, like it was yesterday, it was the Montreal Canadiens and the New York Rangers, and it was the fourth. Uh, Canadians ended up winning the Stanley Cup that year for their fourth in a row. The Canadians actually lost the first game of that Stanley Cup final by that same four to one score to the New York Rangers at the old Montreal Forum. So uh, I'm not so sure the Tampa Bay Lightning are the 1979 Montreal Canadiens. Uh, that would be a bit of a stretch, uh, but uh, Luke, can they turn it around? What do you what do you expect the rest of the series? Uh, I think the first game of of any series is a feel out uh, uh, game. You're more or less you you don't know what you have because you haven't played them all year. Uh, you just go out and um, you're you're feeling the other the other team out right now. Uh, Dallas knew exactly how to come out against them. Uh, Rick Bonus was scouting them for the last couple of games uh, against the Islanders, and they knew that uh, the Islanders weren't, weren't that physical. Uh, and to stop sm- uh, smaller guys, you're going to have to be physical. Uh, but the third period is a good sign for their, for Tampa to come around and um, really take it to them. I just want to see now if they can really penetrate that big D uh, on Dallas and get a lot more shots uh, on, on Kaboden. And if Kaboden comes back down to, to earth, uh, he's been a standout this whole series. Uh, ben Bishop uh, was the number one goalie in the season, but now he's happy to be the backup with the way this kid is, is playing. Um, and and we'll see if uh, how bad Braden Point's injury really is. Uh, nobody actually knows what it is right now, uh, but he's definitely not the series, uh, the player that he was in the early series where he used to dominate, uh, there's definitely something wrong with him. I, I, I kind of thought that the, the, the Dallas D was laying their body on Braden Point last night. Um, they, 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 I think they sort of, um, the, the sense is out there that he's fighting off an injury. And I, I thought uh, uh, within the rules, I thought the uh, I thought that Dallas, the Dallas team was being a little bit physical with him last night, which is not not necessarily a bad strategy. Like he's their uh, him and Kucherov are their are their go to guys on the uh, on the front line, and uh, you know you got to do whatever you got to do within the rules, and sometimes uh, you, you push the envelope when it comes to the rules uh, to to win. Stanley Cup Finals, you, you do what it takes. Interesting thing about this Stanley Cup Finals, uh, two Russian goalies. Um, not sure that's ever happened before. Um, and Kudobin is, has been playing great. Vasilevsky is uh, you know, considered by many the best goalie in the world right now. Uh, not sure that's ever happened before uh, or ever had two non-North American goalies 
uh, in nets. I don't know if it makes any difference. Uh, who cares? Uh, it's just an observation. Luke? Uh, hey, they, they, they've both been playing well. And uh, Vasilevsky there has been the uh, uh, the top goalie in the league for the last couple of years. Uh, Kabodin has been a great backup, even in, in with his years in Boston. Um, and he's a, he's a perfect number two goalie that now, with Bishop being hurt, um, they have enough confidence in him, and, and he's given them enough confidence that uh, that they can stay with him for the rest of the playoffs now. Uh, it, it, again, it, it's, it's going to be a tight series. It depends whether Dallas is going to play as physical as they have been um, for the rest of the series, and if uh, Tampa's got to make some adjustments um, in the style of play that they have, because the last time they met a physical team like this, it was Columbus last year in the first round, and they didn't fare too well against them. Um, Naz, uh, gonna gonna put this out there, and then uh, want your comments on this first, and then uh, perhaps Luke can pipe in. Um, we're hoping to have Michael Trakos on the show today, National Hockey Writer, Post Media News, and uh, he wrote an, in- an interesting article yesterday, which uh, I think we can discuss. Uh, uh, like your your guys' thoughts, I had a brief discussion with Michael with it off the air. Uh, the article was, will Canadian sports fans tune into a Stanley Cup final featuring Dallas and Tampa Bay Lightning? Let's think about that from a couple of different perspectives. I'm sure, I'm sure the guys over at Rogers or Hockey Night in Canada who, you know, Sportsnet, uh, uh, they're not too thrilled that there's no Canadian team, uh, in the Stanley Cup finals. In fact, uh, guys, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think there was a Canadian team in the final four, and they basically got bounced early, all of them, which got to be—it's got to be deadly for the ratings in Canada. Aside from the fact that you're holding the Stanley Cup and the NHL playoffs in August and September, where nobody ever has really ever focused on on uh, on hockey before, and you got Dallas and Tampa Bay, two Southern U.S. teams. With no real big marketable household star in Canada, no McDavid, no McKinnon, uh, no real guy that you know just says I gotta watch tonight because he's on the air. Naz, your sense? Um, you know, you and I and Louie watch this stuff because we're 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 hockey junkies and sports junkies. Although I gotta admit, I'm I'm suffering from overload. Can't watch every single game. Uh, is the average fan have, have they tuned out, or did they ever tune in? Well, they tuned in. They had close to five million for their lease games. So that, I think they, they tuned in. Them, but uh, without Canadian team, and they're they're in a lot of trouble rating wise. <clears throat> Lou, um, I think they're lucky that they don't really have that much else going on. Uh, baseball's in the, in the final stretches of uh, the last week of, of their season. Uh, the NFL football is uh, has just started, and after having no exhibition games, uh, a lot of teams look really rusty. Um, I don't, I don't think the average fan is, is watching it, especially with uh, Tampa being a small market team and Dallas. Uh, you know, you get the Dallas Cowboys down there that that are getting all the attendance, so it, it's going to be a tough draw for the National Hockey League to to get all these fans to watch it. Um, I think there's some going to be Canadians that are going to be watching, but uh, it's not going to be the same as if they were playing in June uh, this year. 
Yeah, I, I, I get the sense from people that I talk to. Um, first of all, there's no rooting interest. Uh, there's no Canadian team. Um, um, unless you're, like, you've got to be a real, and I mean, you know, I don't, I'd be curious to see what the ratings have been uh, for the last couple of series. I haven't uh, haven't seen any numbers yet. Curious to see what the ratings will be for the Stanley Cup Finals. My sense is, you know, the NHL's done a pretty good job with the tools that they've had available. The, the way they've managed the bubble in Toronto, the way they've managed the bubble in Edmonton, uh, I tend to... I tend to give them credit. Uh, I think it was well managed. In 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 in, and I'm not so sure what else they could have done. Certainly, they weren't permitted to put fans in the seats. Um, they did the best job they could. They kept the players safe uh, and the staff. And the, and and not one. I'm not aware of one reported case of COVID in these bubbles uh, since they started. So. Certainly, in terms of how they've handled it from a health perspective, you know, you've got to give them a lot of pats on the back. And the games, uh, I, I, I found in, in some of the games, the quality of the hockey would have has been a lot better than I would have expected. Um, but I talk to people, um, I don't get a sense that anybody's watching. Um, it just, it's off the radar screen. Guys, uh, last comment on that. What, what, what your, what's your sense of people that you talk to? Anybody watching hockey right now? Well, they, they, people aren't watching hockey right now. Uh, I think they're more worried about uh, taking care of themselves. Uh, again, there, there's baseballs on. Uh, football is just starting. And, and going back to your uh, comment, 30,000 tests were taken in, in the National Hockey League, and they had zero positive which goes kudos to and a great job that Batman's done with this bubble situation. I think that the, old, the other sports uh, should take note of that, even though it's not going to be a long-term thing. Um, but again, it, it's not, it, it's inconsistent great hockey. That, that's the way I look at it. It's, some games are good. Uh, some games are, are, are not bad. But without the fans, without the atmosphere, being in September, uh, it's really tough to get into this game right now, even though it is a Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, and I know the players have done a great job on um, on putting the the game first instead of putting the the well being of their so called party life like other sports have. Uh, and you got to give them a great. Uh, uh, I don't even know the word. Uh, you've got to admire what they've done with with everything they've they've done in the bubble. Uh, uh, Luke, uh, turn it over to Naz. Naz, we've got to go to break in a couple of minutes, and uh, I got to get your thoughts on what is the what what is the big hockey story in Toronto this week. Uh, may not be the may not be the Stanley Cup Finals, but you know, Leaf fans are passionate, and we get we get something to talk about. It creates buzz in the city of Toronto. Local boy, King City kid, Alex Pietrangelo. Um, looks like he is going to be a free market guy. Uh, word came out of St. Louis this week that they've told him to explore his options. Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, he'd look good in a Toronto Maple Leaf uniform. I'm not sure the Leafs can afford him. Uh, the number they're talking about is $8 million. Naz, 
You're always ahead of the curve. You're, you're, uh, you put those predictions out there. Is Alex Petrangelo going to be wearing the blue and white of the Toronto Maple Leafs next year? Not a chance. Won't happen. <laughs> what happened? Naz, I thought you'd they don't have, they don't have the money, Wally. They, 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 they got to get rid of one of the big salaries, which is Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, or John Tavares. Well, they have to get rid of that amount. He's going to sign for 10 million. Forget eight. Yeah, I mean that's the issue. Is it eight million or ten million? Uh, and then Loop, perhaps you can pipe in. Uh, I, I read some. I read a, an article with the the path to clearing out the cap space uh, for Pitch Angelo is to is to get rid of Kerfoot and uh, and John and Johnson. And you may you may have, but then you got to bring them in with. Um, you got to replace those two guys with fair league minimum salaries, which I think is about. Seven hundred and seventy-five grand or eight hundred grand—I'm not sure exactly. Uh, you free up six million, six and a half million of cap space, and you can bring Alex in. Lou, is there any chance that's going to happen? It, it, it could happen. Uh, again, let's let's not forget Nylander is the big key here. I'm not worried about Marner and, and Tavares and, and Matthews going anywhere. They've got to move Nylander's contract. They got to move a Kerfoot contract. They got to move a Janssen contract. And I still don't think Alex Petrangelo is the one player. That's going to help this team get over the bubble. Uh, you know, they've got to fill other spots. They must have enough confidence in the young days, the two sweets that they have down in the minors. But Alex might be just a piece of the puzzle. He's not going to be the final answer, just like uh, Tyson Berry wasn't the final answer uh, this year. Anyways, on that note, uh, this is a conversation we're going to continue to have. Uh, there's always uh, the one thing about Toronto Maple Leaf land. We never have a shortage of things to talk about. Uh, Leaf fans are certainly passionate. But we've got to go to break. When we come back from the break, we're going to be talking about a diabolical golf course down in New York State called Wingfoot. And this 21-year-old kid called Matthew Wolf, who is sitting on the U.S. Open lead, at five under par, who had a remarkable round yesterday of 65. We'll be talking to John Steinbreder. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced contact-free delivery. Order and prepay online and choose contact-free delivery. The driver will place your order on your doorstep in a nice, clear, protective bag. Then he'll politely stand back two metres and call the number on the receipt. Once you answer the door, he'll give you a little toodaloo and off he goes. Contact free delivery from pizzaville.ca or the Pizzaville app. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Are you real ready? If you're a real estate agent, we can help you sell more homes. A business owner? We'll help show it off to the community at large. And if you're a homeowner, we'll supply accurate floor plans for every room in your home. Because selling property is all in the details. Real Tours Media. Creators of 3D virtual tours, walkthrough video, HDR photography, logos and brands. Check out the one-stop shop for successful real estate agents. Realtoursmedia.ca There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. 
Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live on uh, U.S. Open Sunday, which is totally on Father's Day, but uh, this year it's in the middle of September. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, one of the world's great golf writers, senior writer at Global Golf Post, always joins us from Masters from Augusta on Masters Sunday, which this year is going to be in November. Uh, where, of course, I'm talking about John Steinbrenner. John, how are you this morning? Good morning, guys. I'm great. It is uh, like this whole year. It's been a little weird um, <laughs> having the U.S. Open in September. Although they did have it in September back in 1913, believe it or not, when Francis met won of a Brookline. It was held in September that year, so not without precedent. But uh, it's it's strange kind of figuring out what, what month it is, what day it is, um, <laughs> and what time of year it is for all of us. But uh, yes, it is the U.S. Open. Uh, yes, we're not celebrating Father's Day on that final Sunday, but we are, I think, in, in store for a pretty good round and uh, a pretty good finish here with the leaderboard we have and with some of these these players just exerting their will on this very, very, very difficult course. Uh, we're talking to John, just so you're aware, uh, we've been, uh, because of COVID, uh, Naz and I have been doing this show remotely, so uh, we're not in studio. Uh, I'm uh, I'm sitting in my uh, in my room at home. Uh, Naz is in his place, so you'll hear voices from different places at different times, and also joining us this morning, uh, co-hosting with us is Lou Franceschetti, former hockey uh, player with the Washington Capitals. John, Two big stories this morning um, out of out of out of uh, the U.S. Open. Uh, number one, of course, the story is always going to be the course, uh, and we'll talk about that. Um, uh, winged foot. Uh, it's it's winged foot is a classical, classic U.S. Open course, Northeast United States. You know those types of courses, parkland courses. The USGA grows the rough like crazy. Uh, the rough is so bad, you know, you can actually lose your ball in that rough. And those are conditions amateur golfers never experience. It's it's like you're in that rough. You better have somebody spotting it for you. You're going to have a tough time finding it. Wingfoot has a history. Uh, Mickelson in 06 uh, melted down on the 18th hole. Zeller in 84, I believe, waved a white towel, and in 1974, they called it the massacre at Winged Foot. Dale Irwin won at a minus seven. Uh, your observations of Winged Foot as a golf course, John? Well, there, there, of course, there are two courses there, the east and the west, and what's very interesting this year, I think they're both comparable. They're equally as good, and I actually kind of like the east a little bit better and in years past, the East has been where they've set up the merchandising and the corporate hospitality, and the, and the course has just been decimated uh, because of all the wear and tear that comes with that. So 
the one real advantage this year is that the East course, the members will get it back. It'll be pristine, and that'll be nice. Uh, the West is where they host the vast majority of their major championships and where they've hosted the uh, U.S. Open. It is a bear of a golf course. It's one or two and a half best. It has a lot of push-up greens, a lot of undulations. It is. It can play. Those greens can play so fast. You do not want to be above the hole in those greens. Well bunkered. And, yes, the rough is uh, quite thick. And what Wingfoot also has is a membership that a little bit like the Oakmont membership down in uh, Pittsburgh, they are obsessed with having a tough golf course. I've played both courses a lot over the years, and they're pretty tough on your average Saturday or Sunday in the summertime. But they have really wanted to make this course tough. And I have several friends who are members, and I heard them all summer talking about they want seven or eight over to win, as it was for Hale Irwin and the massacre back in in 74, and they were obsessed with doing that. And I've also heard rumblings that they were a little upset that there was some uh, pretty low score shot, especially for, for Wingfoot in the first couple of rounds. Um you know, it's very much out in front of you in terms of when you stand on the tee. There's not a lot of de- deception uh, to it. There's not a lot of, um, you know, there's not blind shots or things like that, really. But it is just a hard golf course. It is a classic golf course, beautiful clubhouse, great history there. It hosts also one of the great amateur events in America, the Anderson Memorial of June. Did not this year, obviously, with COVID. And it's it's just as as good as it gets for a U.S. Open course, and you can expect them coming back you know, more and more often in the years to come. But some of these scores are staggering to me. I can't believe Matthew Wolf shot 65 yesterday. I can't believe uh, Louis Osterhusen shot 68. Um, you know, Wolf shot 66 the opening day. Uh, Louis shot 67. Uh, uh, Bryson shot 69, 68 the first two days. Those are not expected scores, in my view, given how much I've been hearing about the shape of the golf course, the condition of it, and how tough it was going to play. Naz, I'll turn it over to you. John, how does a guy who hits two fairways out of 14 and shoot 65 do it? Very impressive. I have no idea, you know, and, and just to give you know listeners some perspective, I remember playing one year at the TPC Sawgrass about a week before I'd say 10 days before they had the players championship there. And I, at a five handicap was the highest handicapper in my group. And on the first three holes, we lost seven balls in the rough. Just <laughs> oh, off yeah. the fairway. And, and this rough is longer and more brutal here. So I have no idea how they do it. I mean, I am absolutely blown away at, at some of the, uh, the scores, frankly, and, the power these players must have to get that ball out of the rough, because you look at it, I mean, it looks like a cow field in Ireland. It doesn't look like a, a golf course. I mean, they're up to their ankles and rough, and, I mean, they're searching around for the balls. I, I just think it's pure strength and, again, speaks to their their incredible talent for being able to play in those sorts of conditions. Lou? John, I was just curious. Is the weather going to be a factor Sunday uh, since the, the tournament is played in September compared to uh, – to June, where there's usually milder weather in the, in the country? It's a little bit colder today, uh, but I'm, I'm 45 minutes from Wingfoot in my house, and I'm looking out my office window. It's uh, sunny as can be, so I think they're talking about temperatures like you know low 60s maybe, uh, highs of low 60s, and there is some breeze, though, and I, I played golf yesterday, actually, 
and of course it was nearby, and there was pretty good breeze out there. So I think they're going to get more wind that they more wind that they would normally see in June for sure, and and a little bit brisker than they would have weatherwise in June. But that's about it. It's it should be uh, not a huge factor for these guys today at all. We're talking to John Steinbrenner, internationally renowned golf writer. John, uh, uh, the big story, uh, the other big story right now is Matthew Wolf, twenty-one years old. Um, he would be, I believe, the first player ever to win the U.S. Open in the first time he's ever appeared at the U.S. Open, assuming that he wins today, which is, uh, you know, uh, sitting on sitting on the U.S. Open lead overnight can unnerve the best. Um, I don't know much about this kid other than I look at his swing, and as, as I saw one golf article say, it makes golf coaches run for cover. Not the most orthodox swing. It's him and him. He hits a long ball. Got Bryson DeChambeau and, and Matthew Wolf in the last group. DeChambeau's not the most orthodox golfer either. Um, tell us what you know about Matthew Wolf and uh, what do you expect you're going to see from him today? Well, first of all, the, uh, the the kid has just got you know the, it's a bit of a cliche, but the old ice water in the veins. I mean, he is a really steady young man. Just to uh, some perspective going back to 1913 uh that was the last time a player won an open in his debut and that was uh amateur um uh, francis y met so it, it happened before once before but a long a long long time ago more than a century ago um you know 21 years old but he was the ncaa uh champion i mean he the, the kid can just flat out play he does have that weird kind of funky uh, swing that we as all amateurs would love because, uh, you know, we've all got our own hitches and our, our loops and, and everything else. And he, he just is regarded as being so steady and so cool. He had a heck of a U.S. Open. I mean, excuse me, heck of a PGA. He, he played very, very well in that. And, um, so, so I, I just, I always say, I mean, you know, Bryson hasn't won, but Bryson's been around a little longer. And these sort of matchups, I'm always, Looking at the person who um, who's kind of been there before, I do this at Augusta all the time. It's very hard for people to uh, win at Augusta when they're playing with or just around a lot of past champions. And you know, I have to give a little bit of um, of an edge to Bryce just because he's been around longer. But my goodness, this guy is just uh, he's just unbelievable, and he's so cool. And there's a great quote that. Um, uh, Xavier and I can't uh, Shoffley, I can't pronounce Shoffley, his name yeah. right but you know Wolf won uh, he was a runner up in the, in the uh, 2017 US Junior Am and he just said this is what uh, Xavier said he goes he's not afraid it's not that surprising really I played with him in the final round of the PGA Championship and he destroyed that place as well and it was playing difficult there that last day and so, and the fact this guy, you know, the only thing that gives me pause is he hit just two fairways and reached, you know, um, you know, somehow managed to reach 12 greens in regulations. You know, how do you keep that up? I, I think that's, um, that's asking a lot, especially given the, uh, the situation out there with the course conditions. But I, I think it's going to be a heck of a final, uh, pairing. I can't wait to watch it. And, uh, they both hit the ball a long way and, it's going to be a lot of fun, and they're both playing well, and they've both got a ton of confidence. 
Uh, I'm going to beg uh, Naz and lose forgiveness. I, I just want to want to do a follow up to that one. We're we're sort of running out of time here, uh, John. And uh, Wing Wingfoot is. I mean, the thing I love about the U.S. Open is, you know, all the pros complain. They get humbled. You get to watch Patrick Reed get humbled on a back nine where he shoots 43. And welcome to the world of of handicap golf. Um, and they all complain about it. They complain about how it's set up. Uh, but it, it's kind of fun watching it at home, watching these guys have to really struggle a bit. And then you got guys like Wolf and DeChambeau and some of them who are actually shooting under par, which is which is pretty remarkable. Um, but these things sometimes come down to the 18th hole. And uh, you know, I read an article this morning. This was the headline. The beautiful horror of a U.S. Open is set to conclude on Wingfoot's 18th hole, which is called a staircase to hell. Uh, I mean, I love it when golfers uh, get get uh, get the hyperbola up, but tell us about the 18th hole and uh, why that would pose a challenge to a golfer, because it certainly ruined Phil Mickelson's. Uh, U- 2006 run to the U.S. Open. Well, and again, it was funny. We were talking about this the other day. You know, if it had been this year with no hospitality and none of those buildings around, Phil would have had a clear shot to the green, and 2006 might have turned out quite differently. But the fact that he was up against one of those and, you know, had all these obstructions over there to shoot over, it, it could have been a different story for him. Listen, the 18th hole is 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 tough in large part because it's the 18th hole. I mean, it's just there's so much riding on it, and I can't even begin to tell you how um, beautifully, devilishly undulating that green is, and how fast it can play, and and how precise you have to be with your your distance control and your positioning on that green to have a good shot at it. I mean, and, and that's a big deal. If you hit your if these guys hit their drives in the fairway in 18, and they'll have a pretty good look at the pin, uh, you know, they'll be okay. If they're in the rough and trying to control that uh, approach shot with all the with the lack of spin they'll have coming out of that rough, if they can get it that far, um, it, using something you know <laughs> like an, a wedge or a, you know a wedge or a nine iron, uh, it's a little bit tougher to get close to that pin, and then you've got 20 or 30 feet in a pretty, you know, wildly undulating green. It's not going to be an easy call. Um, so that's why. I mean, in part, it's just because it's the 18th hole that's so tough, but it really demands an accurate drive and then an accurate approach shot, and, you know, you hope for a two-putt, and it's not a green given its size, uh, given its contours, and you want to rely on a birdie to win. Um, and, and what you say about the open, and it's sort of true, and I go back and forth, and I think there was a lot of talk at Wingfoot down there. They wanted seven or eight or nine over even to win, and you know, and we're all looking around going, I'm not going to watch that tournament if, um, if that's what the case is. And, yes, some guys are struggling and some guys are being humbled, but then, you know, you look at, you know, um, you know Wolf with his scores, Bryson, Louie, Hideki Matsuyama, 71-69-70, um, Harris English, um, you know, Zach Johnson right up there. Victor Hoplin turned 23 this weekend. He shot 71, 71, 70. He's, um, he's only five shots back. Uh, so what you have seen is there, there are some people, there are three people under par. There's, uh, three others who are even. 
Um, and your top, you know, t- top tied for eight, two over is is tied for uh, tied for eighth right now. Three over for tied for eleventh. So you know that's not so bad. That's not that's not crazy. That's um, you know, 66s and 68s and 67s have been shot. So, so I think they've done a really good really job somehow of giving you a tournament that's it's tough, but people are who are playing well are are being allowed to excel, and uh, I think that's that's fantastic. And it really is what an open should be: identifying the best players without humiliating everybody and making it kind of uh, unwatchable grind, which you know, some frankly, some opens have been in the past. We've been talking to John Steinbrenner. It's sort of a tradition, John. We uh, we chat with you on a major championship Sunday. Uh, I always, uh, Naz and I, uh, uh, if I get the opportunity to talk with somebody uh, who knows uh, the passion and uh, the uh, appreciation for the game of golf with someone like you, it's always, it, for me, I always look forward to it. We, we appreciate you uh, sharing that with our listeners, and we look forward to chatting with you on Masters Sunday in November. Uh, well, I just can... got the got to finalize my air tickets. I'm going to be down there. It's going to be very interesting to be there in November to be there without patrons, but I can't wait. And let's book it and count on talking that Sunday. I look forward to it. We look forward to it, John. Thanks so much. Always appreciate it, guys. Have a great uh, U.S. Open Sunday. Enjoy the day. Keep well, John Steinbrenner. Naz, we got three minutes left. Uh, the Buffalo Bills. You're you're the biggest Buffalo Bills fan I know. <clears throat> just a little bit bigger fan than I am. Um, so the Bills had a great start to the season uh, against the New York Jets. Um, they're talking uh, division title, Naz. They got the uh, they got the Dolphins down at the Hard Rock today. Um, your assessment of the Buffalo Bills after the first week? Uh, great game last week. A couple of turnovers by uh, Josh Allen it was troublesome to that, but uh, they started off really well, and uh, they'll be a good team. They'll be. They'll Challenge New England for first place for sure. Well, we certainly hope so. Uh, love to see the Bills do well. We've got a lot of listeners in Western New York. Lou, who's your team? What do you think of the Bills? Um, I think the Bills are going to go as far as their defense takes them. Uh, they they got a probably a top five defense in the NFL. Uh, Josh Allen, I think, is still a little bit young to and he still makes uh, a young man's mistakes, and uh, I think they're going to ride the coattails of their defense. Uh, Naz, uh, one the you know one of the games I actually tuned in, uh, you know, so wanted to watch the Bills and see how they were doing. The other game I sort of focused on uh, uh, last Sunday, and of course, uh, got a lot of friends who are Pittsburgh Steeler fans, so I got to keep, I got to keep, uh, got to keep an eye on the Steelers, or I get left behind. Uh, but the game, uh, the other game I was watching last Sunday, we talked to Eddie Andelman about him last uh, last Sunday morning. Is uh, Tampa Bay? Against it was it was Tom Brady against Drew Brees and I I got to be honest with you, um, other than that first drive from Tom Brady, uh, I wasn't overly impressed. I I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Maybe Tom shouldn't have uh, shouldn't have gone quietly into retirement. I hope I hope, uh, but he's making some mistakes. I even at the end of last year, some of these picks that he's given up. You know, a younger time Brady, you never would have seen that. Are you are you seeing the same thing, Ness? Absolutely. And uh, he went to a team in Tampa Bay. They can't play defense. So New England always had good defenses to go with uh, Brady. Brady's going to have a tough time, real tough time. Uh, Lou, you're you're Brady's always been successful because 
Bill Belichick. Uh, they must have always had the best offensive line coach in the league. Um, but Brady never was really pressured all that much um, when he was quarterback for New England. 20 seconds or less, Lou. Um, your assessment of Tom Brady last Sunday. Guys, it's one game into the season here. They had no exhibition games. There's no timing issues with them. Give them a few, give him three or four games. He's going to be the top Brady of old. And you got to remember that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not the New England Patriots. There's a lot more structure with, with, with the Pats than there are with, uh, with Tampa. Uh, it's a little bit more freewheeling. It's a little bit more wide open. Give the guy a break. Okay, Lou, I don't disagree with you there. Uh, one, one game doesn't make a season. So let's go. No, a career. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's, and he's the greatest of all time. So let's give him a little bit more time. I don't disagree. Uh, to all our listeners, we're out of time. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. Have a fantastic and safe week. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.